Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. It is Monday. Yeah, that was like an actual clap. I literally clapped. Uh, It is Monday, February the 5th. And it is 8.30 here in Texas, America. That's 9.30 on the East Coast. It's early on the other side. And welcome, guys. We got an interesting show set up for you. I had this back and forth on social media. We're going to be talking about what is a Fed. The The issue comes down to this. When we use the word Fed, I think we are being very lazy. We're being lazy because it's easy to just be dismissive of a topic. But today's topic is relevant because we lost an FBI supervisor who was a good man who was terminated on Friday. You guys remember the movie Office Space? Uh, in Office Space, they sit down with these two consultants, the Bobs, and the Bobs go, uh, oh, listen, uh, you know, we always do our firings on a Friday because statistically it's shown there'd be less likely to be an incident. And then uh, Peter, the hero, is like, oh, well, good luck with your firings, Bob. They threw somebody out the door on a Friday. On purpose. At the end of a news cycle, it didn't get picked up. I tweeted out. We saw a little bit of traction on there. Some people saw it on social media. But it's definitely not going to be a national news story. And it should be. Because what is going on is the next step in the compliance purge that the FBI has been executing. You saw it with the suspendables. We saw kind of a lull. There have been a couple of folks that have been walked out that you haven't heard about. We are aware of. And then we've got this one. And this one is a really big deal because it shows, one, they're going after a supervisor. And number two, it's been protracted and there are other people that are still in play. And it's in an office that's very small. It's a great test test case for people who chose to do something not about the vaccine mandate and not about January 6th. It's literally about the simple fact that you should have to go get a warrant under the Fourth Amendment that makes sense, that actually has legitimate probable cause. And if there is not that probable cause, then you can't swear out the warrant. It's it's as simple as that. It's the constitutional protections. And the biggest piece for me is this. I made a short video and the video essentially just said, there is a specific reason why we used to be able to support groups like the ACLU, even though we didn't agree with what they were into. The ACLU used to defend Nazis, not because we love Nazis, not because we think Nazis are good, not because... Anything that they have to say is of value to society. But simply, if awful speech is not protected, then all speech is on the menu because we're simply going to be deciding variations of gray and some third-party adjudicator is going to come in and tell you whether or not the speech is acceptable. The reason that our First Amendment exists and the reason why all the amendments exist in the Bill of Rights is that it was a compromise between anti-federalists who wanted a weak or no federal government at all and people that realized that without a federal government, we wouldn't be able to do anything that a federal government would do. Like you have to have some authorities in power. And the compromise was this. There are hard red line boundaries that are not allowed to be crossed and we can't cross them. And we've been crossing them for years. This represents an escalation to me. And it's not a story that anybody else really has has visibility to because not everybody knows somebody in the FBI that is able to tell us what's happening in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, of all places, a tiny little outpost office of the Salt Lake City field office, which is in and itself like a pretty small office. It covers a huge geographic area. It has Wyoming. 
It has Montana, it has Idaho, and all of Utah. And yet, it's not that many people that it covers down on. So it's not going to be a huge field office. It has many, many uh, sort of remote outposts with like two and three FBI agents. And it's a great place to go and run your test case purging. It's the same reason why New Mexico is an outstanding place to be able to try out gun control because it's small, it's generally politically left, people are disconnected, and nobody even knows that New Mexico is a state in the United States. Like They love this. They being powers are able to go and do test runs where nobody's going to pay attention to it. Before we get deep into what is a Fed, because I actually want to break this out in very long form, then we're going to cover this story, which is going to be relevant to it. We're going to be talking about Patriot Front. We're going to be talking about white nationalists. We're going to be talking about weird topics that I don't think other people are getting into long form. And then uh, we got a couple other things on there. Before we do that, let me just say thanks to my friends over at Catholic Vote. They allow this to go on, even with the technical difficulties. Um, at some point, somebody will come in and reproduce the show. But until now, until then, rather, it's just me. It's just the Kyle Serafin show with it's just Kyle Serafin pushing buttons and sometimes leaving off. <laughs> sometimes just leaving off the thing that says Roadcaster, which is my board. Uh, folks, you can support Catholic Vote at CatholicVote.org. Go to catholicvote.org, type in your email, get the loop. The loop has one of our great stories today. We're going to be talking about, it's it's sort of related to this. This is the uh, the push that is going on in the Biden administration, the so-called bipartisan bill uh, in the Senate that is supposed to be about two really important topics that all Americans care about. The border, oh yeah, and then paying for the Ukraine war. Uh, there's a great story in there, and we're going to be covering that a little bit later on. So make sure you guys are getting the loop. Again, the best one-minute email that you'll read. If you want to support Catholic Vote, you can go on the top right-hand side like you see on the screen. It's a green button that says give. You can just go ahead and give a one-time or many-time gift if you are so inclined. You don't have to be Catholic to support CatholicVote.org. They are not involved in the Catholic Church. They are Catholics who go to Catholic churches, but they are not part of the Catholic Church. They're not part of Catholic Charities. They're an advocacy group for faith, family, and freedom in the United States trying to back good candidates to get good political outcomes because even though we're spiritual creatures and we live in a Christian worldview, we still know that there is an actual political world, and that doesn't necessarily play by the rules that we might want. So go ahead and check them out. Uh, we do appreciate their big sponsorship and they are a fantastic crew okay let's talk feds let's break it down is gob in the chat too it looks like guys fed is the most abused word and it's the most lazy word on the political right at this point what we're saying is is that there have to be distinctions between the word federal employee and then specifically a lot of people casually use it to talk about fbi agents there's another category known as FBI employees, not FBI agents, but employees, and then FBI assets or sources or CHS and so on. So let's break out what is and what is not. Dee's already excited in the chat saying Fed, Fed, Fed. By the way, that happens whenever I go on uh, TimCast. They always just like start typing Fed chat, FedCast, all that. Okay. To say the word Fed, if we are going to be totally honest about it, should mean a federal employee. And a federal employee is someone who receives a W-2 from the federal government. That means that they are paid for, that they have a listed position that the Office of Personnel Management has recognized, and their job is something serving the federal government, that they have raised their right hand, they've sworn the oath to the Constitution like I did, and they are now getting that W-2 from some part of the Office of Personnel Management categories. Okay? That should be the definition of the word FED. But we're kind of either both lazy or more specific about it. A lot of people use the word Fed when they see someone that is doing something that they assume is an entrapment operation. And that is both lazy in thinking and in action because then you're implying that that person is not just a federal employee, but they are specifically an employee of a federal law enforcement agency. That would be known as a federal agent. 
And the problem comes a lot of it from our, our, our difficulty sort of squaring FBI as intelligence agency, DHS as intelligence. We don't really think of the DEA as being an intelligence agency, although they work in the intelligence sphere as well. All of these agencies, these law enforcement agencies, joined the IC after 9-11. This was really the death knell of federal law enforcement because they started getting involved in something that was outside of their purview, and they're really not set up to handle this type of operation. And the reason is, is when you are talking about CIA assets, they use the word agent, not as an employee, but as an agent of the CIA means that's somebody who is recruited by the CIA who doesn't work for the CIA, even though they may get money. So a non-W-2 employee. We're playing this funny game where an agent outside the United States means someone who is acting, let's say, on behalf of U.S. interest and they are aligned with an intelligence agency, but they're not working specifically for, as I mean, they get a paycheck from that agency. And then you get inside the United States and we have a totally different set of rules where the word federal agent means law enforcement officer. That's a DEA agent. That's an FBI agent. That's an ATF agent. That's somebody who works for uh, customs. That's a, a border patrol agent. All of these people are generally referred to as special agents because they have very limited scope under which they can represent U.S. authorities. So the term special, which I think I've actually brought this up on podcast, but I don't know if I've done it here. The term special agent is a limited subset of authorities in, in, in the case of uh, an FBI agent. It's Title 18 and Title 21 authorities to be able to handle federal law. But you can't go out and make treaties on behalf of the United States government. You can't go out and negotiate deals on behalf of people and say the federal government promises to do this thing. And I am representative as I sign this document saying that I can bind the U.S. government to it. That takes an, an actual agent of the U.S. government inside the United States. Again, that's the president. That's going to be your secretaries, your, your cabinet level people who can actually negotiate these types of things out and sign deals. All right. So agent inside the U.S. versus outside the U.S., big difference. And then you get down to what is an FBI employee. There are people that work for the FBI. I know this is shocking to some of you that are not FBI agents. In fact, most of the people who work for the FBI, not FBI agents. These are going to be intelligence analysts. These are going to be what are called MAPAs, which is kind of like this catch-all term for management program analysis type people. They're just sort of staffers, if you will. And then you've got people called SOS. They're, uh, they're squad operations specialists. They're actually like analysts, but they work with the squad and they do all this kind of work. And then there's OSTs, which is a fancy word for secretary. And all of the different people, there's ETs, there's electronic technicians, there are all these different things, automotive techs and so on. They all work for the Bureau. They make the administrative piece of the FBI work, but they're not, they're not FBI agents, but they are feds. Do you see how this gets kind of stupid? When we start calling everybody a fed, and we're going to get to this Patriot front piece because everybody called them feds over and over again, because what do they wear? Khakis and a blue shirt. What did I wear it when I was at Quantico? Khakis and a blue shirt. Number one, you have to believe that people in the FBI are dumb enough to be able to run that op. And they're not that dumb. There's a lot of dumb things that happen in the Bureau, but that's not one of them. They're not going to just recycle the khakis. However, the uniformity of it, I would say that these guys actually wanted to look like what we keep calling feds because it gives them what? It gives them news coverage on the political right. It lets people look into who they are. The possibility is, is they get a very, very small subset of people that are like, oh, now I've read their manifesto and I'm really interested. And then, of course, it gives them the air of legitimacy when you look at the political left because they're going to shriek about it. Look at these organized boot stomping, you know, federal looking guys. They're the same thing. These are the, the defunded police folks love the Patriot Front uniform because they are able to say these people are white nationalists and fascists and so on and so forth, neo-Nazis. And that's exactly what our law enforcement looks like as well. Okay. Now, 
when we talk about someone using that, the last thing is, and we have to talk about this long form, is the CHS, the asset, the source. And law enforcement has always used these types of tools. It's how you bring down criminal organizations. It's how you build some really good cases that are not just somebody did a crime and I saw it happen or there's an eyewitness and we get them. Any conspiracy, any long sort of organizational group, we use sources. And that is also used, they use the word fed to cover down on. And it's not explicitly accurate. They might get paid by the federal government, but they're not going to get paid in a W-2 format. They're going to be paid in cash in a deniable way. And so the word source or informant is probably the most important version, and it's the laziest way of using the word fed. Let's talk about someone like a Ray Epps. I've talked about this a whole bunch. Ray Epps, did he work for the FBI? Was he a W-2 employee? Chris Ray went on record and explicitly said, under penalty of perjury, he was never an FBI source and he was never an FBI informant. So those are two things. Not an FBI agent. He's not an FBI source. He's not an FBI employee, et cetera. He said all those things. You notice how the FBI is just a small subset of the wider federal government. That didn't mean that he didn't work for somebody else. And it didn't mean that he wasn't someone else's source. So when you use the word Ray Epps is a fed, we're using the word fed over and over and over again. If you are not using it specifically, you're being imprecise to the point where it is easily debunked. And I want people to just sort of fix the language so that they can actually make more coherent arguments and they can be more specific as we discuss. Now, I want to get into the group Patriot Front, which there's been a ton of speculation on. I think Steve Friend and I actually talked about this. I think George Hill have talked about this on camera. So there's not, this is not the first time we've ever broached this topic, but it's specifically interesting to me right now because the, the background that's been going on that none of you have been able to see and we haven't really talked about until just now, last, you know, on the end of Friday afternoon, we started discussing this. I've known that there was this FBI supervisor in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, who had been suspended and then sent on a penalty trip to West Virginia. And when in West Virginia was basically given a crap assignment that nobody wanted. Nobody wanted it. That's why they put people there. They couldn't actually recruit people to do this job as a GS-14, a Fed, right? Okay, a federal employee. This is an FBI job that is the least desirable for all FBI agents, I think, is moving to West Virginia and supervising a bunch of non-agents to take phone calls that come into what's called NTOC, the National Tactical Operations Center. That's where if you call the FBI, 1-800-FBI-TIPS or whatever the number is, if you call that, then you're going to get somebody in West Virginia and those people are going to hear what you have to say. They're going to take it. They're going to type it up and they're going to send it off to some analysts. The analyst decides whether or not it's credible and then they'll send it to the field office or not. And then generally speaking, a guy like me would then have to deal with it. And then you'd go, okay, well, this is garbage because we have analysts that are not agents that don't know what the constitutional authorities of the FBI are. And they try to do better. And theoretically, the job of the supervisor, who is an FBI agent, is supposed to look and be like, yes, no, on each of these things that get called in. That's how somebody ends up on the FBI's radar like an active shooter when, in fact, it's not an FBI possible case. The FBI is a very specific entity. And if we're precise with our words and are precise with our understandings, then we don't get screwed up in all this nonsense about calling somebody a Fed wrong. We don't say somebody's on the FBI's radar when it's incorrect. You don't want an FBI that has the ability to run out there and do all the things that you think it might do. It's not running after bank robbers. It's investigating grandmas. Why? Because we keep asking them to stop all the threats, and all they do is they go after the ones that are prioritized by the politicians. And that includes things like Patriot Front's kind of interesting to them. 
if the FBI is investigating Patriot Front and you call them a Fed op, that doesn't mean that there's not a failure of what we call deconfliction. Deconfliction is when one agency is running an operation, the other agency doesn't know about it, and they're investigating it. But at some point, when you start putting those people in cuffs, the it, you know this, this organization, which by the way, I'm not going to indicate that Patriot Front belongs in cuffs. I actually don't think they do. I don't think they've done anything that has necessitated uh, an arrest operation, certainly not on the federal scale. And, you'll, and we'll play a couple of videos about what happened in Coeur d'Alene. The problem is, is if you don't deconflict those, then you end up having, you know, Fed, W-2 FBI agent employee going and arresting either source or actual Fed if there's an undercover in there and you screw up the op, right? And this has been the, the fodder for tons of different TV and movies and so on and so forth. However, in the case of Patriot Front, if there is an op being run, it is not being run by the FBI because the deconfliction would at least happen at some point in the last couple of years between the field office that's running it and the people who are actually out there doing investigations into it. And there are plenty of FBI agents that are doing investigations into members of Patriot Front to include what was happening in Coeur d'Alene specifically. The problem is, is the group Patriot Front, which is really sketchy looking. I will agree with you right up front. They're wearing masks. That's not very patriotic. That's not what we see for people that we agree with and trust. It's not what people who know that their speech is protected do. They're doing it on purpose and they're getting a lot of attention and they pop up randomly and they have vehicles with license plates covered for whatever that's worth. Antifa does that too. Antifa did that in Portland and they did it in Seattle. And it was fairly regular that you had um, all of the license plates covered or no license plates at all. And nobody did anything about it. Do you know why the feds did nothing about the license plate situation, whether it be in New York or whether it be in Portland or Seattle or whatever? The reason is because there's no federal statute about license plates. So I, as an FBI agent sitting on surveillance, observing, let's say, a red Jeep Cherokee that I saw over and over again with no plates on it or covered up with cardboard, I have no authority to do anything about it. It's not a federal statute. So it's like, the cops don't want to do anything about it. We're watching them. We don't really want to interrupt what we're doing because we're gathering information, which may or may not be useful in a criminal prosecution. And so you just have people doing things that are weird. Go to go to New Mexico, folks. I will recommend it. If you drive up and down I-35 or I-25 rather in, uh, in New Mexico, what you will see is every 10th car doesn't have a license plate. I have no idea why. It's a New Mexico thing. Drive around Albuquerque for 15 minutes and I will guarantee that you spot a vehicle with no license plate. It happens all the time. So there are places this happens. There's places where it's less freaking, but it's a really good way to avoid the cops because they don't know who you are. And then the cop has to decide, do I care? Am I going to go after these people? Is it worth my time to get involved in stopping somebody without a license plate? Some cops are going to do it. Some cops are not. And in a protest where you have a static vehicle, they've come up and it's like, it's not moving anywhere. They can't prove how it got there. It's got no plate on it. Eh, is it an issue? Maybe. Are they going to do something about it? You understand. They have a little bit of authority that they could exercise whether or not that's the biggest priority of the time. Now, um, Patriot Front video, this is going to the, the local news in, in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. I'm going to play you a little video about what was going on. We have to know that these folks deployed out of the back of a U-Haul. This may be a new story to some of you, but this happened back in 2022. Deployed out of the back of a U-Haul, came marching out to a gay pride event, and then what? Nothing. Like, they were arrested right away for conspiracy to riot. The problem with that is that this group has never done anything that we've seen that was violent. All they do is march around, play their little drums, look kind of stupid, wear a white face mask like there's some kind of, you know, anon. And then they got arrested there. And then people said, well, they didn't pull off all the masks. Let me just tell you what's important and what's not important on an arrest scene. 
What's important is getting people in cuffs and getting them searched for weapons. What's not important is whether or not their face mask is in the way at the moment. If they have a face mask on, they can't spit at us. I can always pull that down and take pictures later. I don't need to do it in front of the media or anything else if I'm looking for weapons and I have 31 people and only X number of cops to handle them. So it's not the priority. It really isn't. And many of these people got unmasked on scene. They just weren't on the exact pictures that the media ran with because it doesn't make for a good picture. And then the second thing is they were all unmasked when they were photographed for their local arrest and booking. Let's watch this little quick video. It's about two minutes long from the locals. And then we're going to kind of talk about what went on behind the scenes after this arrest. In other news tonight, it was earlier this afternoon, the final three members of a white nationalist group appeared in Kootenai County Court for arraignment. This comes more than two months after 31 members of the Patriot Front were found in the back of a U-Haul and arrested for a conspiracy to riot at a Coeur d'Alene Pride event. So far, all of those men have pleaded not guilty. The first two trials in this case are expected to begin on September 19th. And among those in court today was founder and leader of the Patriot Front, Thomas Rousseau. He's from Texas. Texas, and according to the Southern Poverty Law Center and the Anti-Defamation League, he is a known white supremacist. So we dug a little deeper today. Here's what we found. Two of the nation's top anti-discrimination and racial justice organizations say Thomas Rousseau grew up outside of Dallas, Texas, and began showing signs of white nationalist beliefs as a young teenager. In fact, this article in the Texas Observer newspaper says the FBI has been monitoring Rousseau since he was still a student in high school, where he often wrote opinion pieces in support of conservative topics. But it was shortly after he graduated that Rousseau emerged as a leader inside another white nationalist organization, Vanguard America. That hate group came into the national spotlight in 2017 after tragedy at the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia. One woman was killed after a man drove his car into a crowd of counter-protesters. And in the aftermath of Charlottesville, the Southern Poverty Law Center says Vanguard America dissolved into chaos and Rousseau announced his new organization, Patriot Front. Since then, Patriot Front members have protested outside of numerous events, including anti-abortion rallies, Jewish synagogues, Black Lives Matter protests, and LGBTQ pride events. Members often chant the slogan, Blood and Soil, which the Anti-Defamation League says originated in Nazi Germany, equating white European identity with the right to inherit American soil. Since its creation in 2017, Patriot Front activity has now expanded into dozens of states. And you can read our continuing coverage on this case here out of Coeur d'Alene by just going to our website, creme.com. All right, so we don't have to get too much further into that. You guys saw it, number one. The ADL's got a big problem with them, and the SPLC has a big problem with them. The, the same SPLC that has a problem with radical traditionalist Catholics and is looking to draw a line around them and white supremacists. Why? Because everything they do is a grift, and everything they do has to try to create this fantasy idea that there are more and more white supremacists running around. When you look, there's actually a fantastic article here that I've got from the SPLC that I looked at. It is the, uh, the numbers on recruitment and what they have is they they assign these guys all numbers when they're like applying to be in patriot front yeah there's an application process and supposedly one in five of them was involved in the united states military either current active or as a veteran and they give them these numbers and it's like you know uh, applicant number 619857 so are you trying to tell me that there's 600,000 applicants to this absolutely not there's probably dozens of applicants. When they got arrested, there were 31 people in Coeur d'Alene that you just saw. 
So they're trying to pretend to be bigger than they are. There's a guy who's 23 years old who allegedly, do you guys, do you, do you see a problem with this? The FBI has been watching since he was in high school. What on earth are we talking about? If somebody tried to tell me, hey, you got to, uh, you you have to go after and and monitor a high school student. What? Who's signing up to be a Fed? Okay, we're going to use the word again. Who is signing up to be a Fed and saying, yeah, my job is going to be to monitor high school students for writing in conservative newspapers? It's absurd. It's absurd and it's frustrating on its face that anybody would take that 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 job and say, yeah, I'm going to go do that. Generally, what happens is somebody is going to make some crazy report. And then when they make that report, you're going to go, that's garbage. There's no federal crime involved in that. And you should stop. The problem is, is this is the crossover again. When the FBI is not just doing law enforcement, they're also doing, they're also doing intelligence work. And as an intelligence organization, they've got a completely different focus. The intelligence doesn't have to relate to a federal crime. They're looking for the threats, the threat landscape, which are not real things. These are amorphous and nebulous. And so the idea that you would take on a case that has no criminal aspect, that's fairly standard. That's the movement of going after and recruiting sources and trying to find out what they're doing to try to mitigate something that's never going to be a federal crime. This is where we got into some trouble. And this is where the trouble happened in Idaho. You just heard 31 people pulled out of the truck. They were arrested for conspiracy to riot. I've got a quick little update on that. They ended up convicting a handful of them. They ended up letting uh, Rousseau off. This was like a misdemeanor crime, apparently. The weird thing is, is that the guys who work in the Coeur d'Alene field office, of which I have some visibility to, I didn't specifically talk, just for our Fed friends who are watching, for our actual FBI agents that may watch this, I didn't talk to anybody in that office. I have friends that are in the rest of the FBI that know people in that office, and I know of people there, so we have some mutual friends. I don't want anybody in, in Coeur d'Alene getting jammed up for this. And they're dealing with an Office of Professional Responsibility investigation. I know that as well. They're being investigated for doing the right thing, and we just had a supervisor removed for doing the right thing. What happened? They did the arrest, and inside that mini uh, that uh, that U-Haul truck that you guys saw, there was a bag of cell phones. Apparently, part of the operational security of this group, which is not stupid, although it's not brilliant, they take all their phones, they download them all into a baggie, like a, going to a DUI party or whatever, or a non-DUI party. They, they threw all the phones in there, and they said, hey, um, everybody put your phones in. They put it in this big bag, and then it just sits on the, the thing. So they don't have a phone on them when they're going doing what they're doing. I don't know why they think that's going to help them, but that's what they do. Those phones were found. Then they took those phones, uh, the, the local cops did, the Coeur d'Alene police, and they handed them to the FBI's field office. And they said, here you go, exploit these. Exploit means find out what's on them, look for the contacts, ping them against different investigations, see what kind of photos they have, see what kind of text messages are in there, you know, what sort of planning they have. They took the phones. But the major issue is this. You can actually probably exploit a phone without an owner if there's a really good reason. What you can't do is exploit a phone without a really good reason when it has, one, you don't know who the owner is, and two, there's no federal crime that it's tied to. There's no federal crime of conspiring to riot in a local park where no riot happened and your organization has never been involved in a riot. You can be a white supremacist a-hole. You can write a manifesto online, which, by the way, I've read the Patriot Front's manifesto multiple times. I read it again this morning. I skimmed through it again. And there's tons of stuff, this whole pan-European bullshit about, you know, it, it's white supremacy language. 
but they couch it in this sort of highfalutin version of the American people and the American nation are, you know, the people are the nation and then the land is called the country and the government is called the state. And so they have this phrasing and they're playing these games to make you feel pretty good about patriotism unless you just read it and go like, no, I'm not part of pan-European ethnocentric whatever. It's garbage, but it's not illegal garbage. In fact, they're plenty. They're actually defended in having this this sort of crazy speech, this crappy opinion by the First Amendment. It's First Amendment protected. In fact, awful and unpleasant and offensive speech was the only speech that we really need a First Amendment for in the first place. Nobody cares about your yoga recipes or your gardening. Like That's not going to get censored. Well, maybe it will now that the government doesn't like you relying on yourself. But generally speaking, historically, these things are pretty low bar you know, you don't have to worry about everyday ho-hum speech. You worry about offensive and inflammatory speech. That's the First Amendment's p- position. So when these guys went out there and didn't commit a federal crime and had their phones handed over to the FBI, which they didn't have any way to even know whose phone it was. And then you'd think, well, did they swab them for DNA? And then they DNA test each phone and find out which guy it is and find out what that guy's background was and then decide individually whether or not to write a warrant for it. No, they were told, they being the agents in Coeur d'Alene, to write warrants for all the phones and send them off to be exploited by the cell phone exploiting team or exploiting team. Like what? How? That doesn't make any sense. There's no, there's no crime. So what are you even investigating? What even case would you open other than an intelligence case on Patriot Front, which we know there are those that exist. They would call them uh, racially motivated violent extremists, potentially because their rhetoric could cause that. So you start these cases but those are not criminal cases. There's no criminal allegations. So you can't write a search warrant under it because there's no there's no there's no information or allegation that a federal crime is being committed. And that's what these agents said. They said, no, we can't write the search warrant. And if we do, all we're gonna try to do is we're gonna try to basically exploit the fact that the magistrate judges don't read our search warrants and trust the FBI. You're gonna exploit FBI's trust. We can't do that. And so they pushed it to the supervisor and said, look. No probable cause. It's straightforward. Either you got it or you don't. There's no probable cause. I am not comfortable signing a warrant, sending it to a judge, raising my hand, and swearing or affirming that this stuff is true because the fact pattern doesn't back it. And the supervisor said, I agree. And headquarters came back down and said, no, you guys sign the warrant. Go get a warrant and exploit these phones. We want the information. This is why I don't think they are feds. Because if the FBI is driving so hard to exploit 31 phones of which they don't know who they belong to and is not willing to open individual investigations, it tells you that they don't have visibility to what's going on in that operation. And this is not public information that you guys would ever know about. So it's not like they're doing this for for theater to perform for the public. This is actual people at the counterterrorism division who work for the FBI's uh, headquarters unit, the entire division that that handles counterterrorism and domestic terrorism. They're the ones who want this information, even though they're not entitled to it because there's no probable cause. This supervisor was taken out, literally. The the same day that he said no, stepped out of his position. He was now getting paid, but he was suspended from his job, his role as the supervisory senior resident agent, which is the top person in that little office. And then as a punishment, as as a a warning to everybody else, was sent on a 90-day TDY out to West Virginia. And what did they do? They still got that search warrant, by the way, folks. They brought in somebody from Boise who was more affiliated and more sympathetic to what happened in the park, that LGBTQIA nonsense that was going on, the the pride parade and the drag show. And they brought a female FBI supervisor who tend to be, 
You know, they are some of the worst people I've ever met. doesn't mean that every female supervisor is, but all the worst supervisors were females that I saw and came in. She signed off on the warrant and sent it off and they got the search warrant. Here's what's crazy about that to me. I've never heard of an SSA, a GS-14 being the one who went out and got the search warrant. That's a GS-13. That was my old gig, the frontline agents. So this makes no sense. And then after a very protracted battle, and this goes back to probably, this goes back at least a year now, this guy was terminated because he held the line and just said, this is wrong. The FBI is purging people that are compliant. I've got some requests in to find out a little bit more about this guy, but our bet is that He's Christian, it's pretty standard. And then the second piece of it is, is we'll find out whether or not he was unvaccinated because that's always gonna be an interesting little piece of the, of the puzzle. The folks that are in that office are absolutely destroyed. The morale is destroyed and it's a tiny little microcosm. They're gonna see what is the worst thing that can happen if they destroy morale in a single office and they do the wrong thing for the wrong reasons to a righteous person who literally is trying to carry out the right answer, which is that you defend the American constitution, specifically the Bill of Rights, and then we'll see where it goes. I don't think it's going to go anywhere good. I don't think it goes anywhere good. I think it's the most dangerous thing that can happen. All right. Um, I actually brought up a whole story here. If you guys want to read long form about this individual story, I'm not saying his name on the podcast, uh, only out of respect for what him and his family are obviously going through right now. However, the, uh, the story is worth reading and you can find out a lot about it if you go to the Idaho Tribune, that's idahotribune.org. And it's one of their top stories. They have a couple of them on here. This story is essentially a, um, a, it's a discussion of what happened, all the background information. They quote me on some of the stuff. They quote some of their own sources. They made some phone calls over there that are of value. And uh, we actually have the entire article here. I'll just show you what it looks like. This is the entirety of the article. It says exclusive FBI whistleblower reveals malfeasance in Patriot Front trial. Sealed federal warrant has not been produced in court. Why? Because the probable cause is garbage. You're hearing it here. Exculpatory evidence hidden from leftists, uh, hidden by leftist prosecutors. And then their their allegation is it's going to end up costing the taxpayers a whole bunch of money. Probably so, to be fair. It'll probably cost a ton of money simply because we're talking about something that um, <laughs> if, if you don't do things correctly, usually once you've violated someone's civil liberties, you're, you're supposed to pay for it. You know what I mean? That's how it's supposed to work out. And that, that doesn't end well for the local government. This is a very long article. It goes very, very long and deep into the weeds. But the, the the thing that they're comparing are the defended groups, and I'm showing you on the screen some of these freaks. You could almost call this freaks and geeks, right? Because I think the, the so-called feds, the, um, the Patriot Front guys, are actually kind of geeky. They just want to be part of something. There's almost undoubtedly federal informants within there, whether they be FBI or otherwise. But I don't think it's being run by, based on the information that we have coming out of Coeur d'Alene, I don't think it's run by any federal organization. I think it's organic and then perforated, just like the Klan has been recently. And there's not very many of them. It's not like it's that big of an operation. But what you have is the freaks, which is going to be uh, men dressed as women. There's a bunch of them there. The groomers, the Antifa types, they were all arrested on the same or right around that time and then released the same day. Here's these weirdos. You're seeing pictures of them on the screen. There's another one, this uh, Alyssa Azar. I don't know what the Alyssa Azar scenario is, but I remember seeing him or her on. I, I can't even trust what gender the person is. Um on tons of social media, particularly Andy Knows feed, who does great work on this and, and is quoted in this article, was uh, was also released just, you know, for similar stuff, felony rioting and so on and so forth. And then you get to the Patriot Front guys. There's the there's the truck. You guys are seeing that. Here's the founder of the group. He's on the on the thumbnail for today. 
He now has a beard, so he looks a little bit older. But all of them were were detained. And then immediately what you heard was PSYOP, federal operation, and feds over and over and over again. But there's no evidence of it. And that's what this piece really digs into long form. Interestingly enough, it's like they said this. I think this is the most accurate statement. The group may be and is most likely infiltrated by federal agents. That would be undercovers. And undercover Southern Poverty Law Center informants. Did you guys hear that? The SPLC is sending people to infiltrate. This has actually been going on for quite a while. That's really troubling. Private organization trying to get it. And it's like Project Veritas type stuff. But the 31 people who were arrested on June 11th, 2022, were not in the employee of the federal government, not in federal law enforcement. These are people who came to Idaho to say something pretty awful, what we might call lawful but awful, if you want to paraphrase what they say on X. Nobody wanted them there, but they have a First Amendment right to do it. That's the piece. And then this goes long form into uh, discussions of neo-Nazis and the history that goes on in Idaho, of which there's much then this weird sort of push now for for uh, drag going on, and the, and they're trying to normalize all this. Oh, look, look, this piece is long. I'm just kind of showing you what it looks like. There's the Kyle Serafin show referenced. They have a memo from a whistleblower who worked at DHS, is my understanding. I've read that. I don't know what to make of it. I don't I don't know the guy, so I can't you know say what the source is. But what I can tell you is, being infiltrated by the federal government, having federal law enforcement involved, is not the same thing as being a Fed. I'm scrolling right past this, but that's our that's our um, FBI supervisor who did the right thing. Went to NTALK, the National Threat Operations Center. You can see that. There's an entire little link here on YouTube of the FBI bragging to you about what goes on inside the FBI. At NTALK, you guys can listen to that. They made a phone call to the supervisor. You can listen to that. He makes no comment. All right. They've got some other sources in there showing how profound it is to remove somebody for doing the right thing. All this stuff is really troubling. All of it has to do with the FBI doing what I have been calling since the beginning a compliance purge. And you haven't heard Jim Jordan talking about it of late, have you? Seems really problematic. I hope you guys have a better sense of what a Fed is and what a Fed is not. I encourage you to go read this article. It's worth your time if you only read one today. It's actually dated from like nine months ago. So it's not breaking in this case. But this movement um, on the case, specifically letting us know like what's going on and where, you know, the fact that it just started again, it's not over. And I have people in my bureau chat group that that reach out and they all are getting scared that they're going to start losing their jobs. They probably will. The FBI is going to ramp this thing up. Why? Because it's 2024, of course. And since it's 2024, I've been pushing this one for a little bit. Let's let's talk about our, one of our new sponsors just came on. I finally got my graphics correct. This came in, guys, came in over the weekend. This is my contingency medical antibiotic pack. I'm super excited about it. Look, it's a regular prescription. They give you all the paperwork you'd get if you ordered any other prescription anywhere else. If you were sick, they just give it to you in advance and they tell you how to find what's going on in there. Open this thing up. Look, handsome bag. I'm really a gearhead. So you guys know about that. Organized. Love that. These are regular prescription bottles. They have multiple courses of antibiotics in there. Then they've also got some of these little packs. So this is a what we call in the in the trade uh, Zofran. It's an antiemetic. It stops you from from vomiting and stops nausea. It's awesome. They've got little seven day packs of antibiotics, which there are recommendations on when you would use them. And then you can also consult with a a uh, with a physician. It's part of the telehealth package. Is that you actually set it up, 
send them your medical history. And then after you buy it, they send you the pharmacy. You hold on to it. You tell the doc if you've got any questions and they square you away and you just take a course of antibiotics. If you're on the road, if you're doing backpacking, if you're doing survival, if you're preparing, they're good for a year. So you've got paperwork, even if you travel. So nobody's going to go like, oh, like, is that a good prescription? Uh, oh, you're traveling with stuff that's outside of prescription. Nope. Real prescriptions, real doctors in your state, putting it back in your hands. It's actually a brilliant idea. I can't believe people haven't been doing this earlier. And, uh, I'm really excited. Check out promo code Kyle on Contingency Medical. You guys have seen it a couple times. ContingencyMedical.com. Again, ContingencyMedical.com. Use the promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E. That'll let uh, them know that we sent you. You'll get a uh, 10 bucks off from the order. It's 300 bucks. It's like 2.99 and change. The shipping is free, and it's going to pop in there. And it takes about I don't know, maybe less than a week, and then boom, you've got this. You can travel with it everywhere you go, whether you be. Uh, just keeping it at your house because you're a homebody or if you're on the road and you're jumping on planes all the time like I am, you never know when you're going to land in some place, be there for a week, and then you're going to, what, have to go pay for an emergency room, a doctor that's out of your, your plan. You guys can even spend your HSA money on it, which is awesome. And if you are somebody who cannot handle nausea, which is, that's my thing, like, I can handle a headache, I can handle body pain, I can handle a fever and aches and all the other stuff. Nausea, I'm done. It absolutely levels me. And uh, having having the Zofran option, pretty awesome. Can't get it without a prescription. Great stuff and a great company really into it. <laughs> Can you guys tell? Also, I got so excited when that came in in the mail. Um, I want to keep pushing forward because the, the world is not just feds. There's all kinds of stupidity. Uh, apparently, apparently there's rain in California. Now, if any of you have ever lived in California, especially like the southern part, you know that rain is essentially a catastrophe. There's There's almost no way that people in California, particularly like Los Angeles and San Diego, know how to handle the rain. Clouds they can deal with, but when water falls from the sky, people lose their ever-loving mind. I've got a hilarious video. This is coming right out. This is not supposed to be our comedy bit. This is just real. But this is a hilarious video from Encino, California. It's a stand-up reporter, and he is showing unbelievable amounts of water, a small lake on the city, on the city streets, because they have no drainage. This is water from the sky, people. You, you probably have never seen this, except everybody who's lived anywhere else in the world. Uh, when this happens, California falls apart, and then it becomes national news. Here is a reporter shocked that he's got wet shoes. C4's Jonathan Gonzalez is in Encino now for us with more on how this storm is impacting the San Fernando Valley. Jonathan. And you have to think about, Colleen and Carolyn, that those cars got trapped maybe an hour after the rain really started to fall and has been consistently falling since then. You can only imagine how much deeper the water is there. We're here in Encino at an intersection here at Ventura and Pettit that some cars right here don't even want to drive through. It is like a small lake. There is so much water that has built up in this intersection as we watch this truck fly through. You're going to see how much water it kicks up. It's just incredible because it's not just the amount of rain, it's the intensity that has not let up even a little bit. It doesn't take much water for some roads to turn into rivers in the San Fernando Valley, so you can imagine how this much rain has impacted driving conditions along Ventura Boulevard in Encino and beyond. In Tarzana, fire crews had to rescue people from several cars that stalled along Topham Street right next to the G-Line bus route. The water was over a foot high in some spots from rain that hasn't stopped since it started. The road remains closed until crews can remove the cars once the water dissipates. 
As the brunt of the storm hits tonight and into the early morning hours, the darkness makes it all that much harder to see the ponding on the roads, making driving much more treacherous in a storm that is not letting up anytime soon. And speaking of which, we've seen many cars not even see how much water is in this intersection again at Ventura and Pettit here in Encino. Uh, they, they run right into it and are caught by surprise nearly every single time. Now, you do have to put this into some sort of perspective. These are the kinds of storms that would have easily flooded the San Fernando Valley uh, until those flood mitigation efforts like the L.A. River and all those culverts and, and drainage systems that we have in the valley were put in about 100 years ago. So all things considered as these cars move through here, it's okay, considering how bad it really could have been, but it is still very treacherous out there, very dangerous to drive. Those officials said today, and they stress it, and it's true, do not get on the roads if you do not have to, and if you do get out there, do not get into any kind of deep water. Guys, we'll send it back to you in the studio. <laughs> I'm dying. Guys, it's raining. There's water from the sky. If you live in California and you don't have to drive, do not drive. Do not get out there on these roads. They're far too dangerous. Uh, there's ponding or puddling. I don't pooling. I don't know what they were calling it. They had a word that I've never heard of. It's called water, dude. Uh, I also love that it was as high as 12 inches in some places that doesn't even hit the bottom of the hubs on my my truck. Uh, that wouldn't even touch the undercarriage in my vehicle. Oh, man, it's so silly. Look, um, I'm not I'm not making this up that this is like a national story. This is 100 percent a national story. This is what it looks like on CNN's homepage. An atmospheric river brings extreme it's extreme rainfall to California. Here's what you need to know. It's wet. It's been watery. It's more rain than they've had in 20 years. That seems good. They're always crying about not having enough water. Uh, sure enough, panic and devastation because there's water on the roads and it's as high as like mid-shin. This would be basically everything that happens in anywhere. I don't know. This even happens in like Albuquerque. They have what's called monsoon season every year where it just gets stupid and there's a ton of water that just dumps out. I had to look up this term because I'd never heard the term. Um atmospheric river before so i didn't want to just leave you guys hanging i actually have an entire slide that shows what on earth the atmospheric river is here it is an atmospheric river is a narrow corridor or filament of concentrated moisture in the atmosphere and it has other names like tropical plume and tropical connection uh, that sounds fun a tropical connection i kind of want to have a tropical connection when it's cold out a uh, moisture plume or a water vapor surge or a cloud band or also just known as weather so this weather, which exists and is very scary, was first named in the 1990s to reflect the narrowness of the moisture plume. This was uh, some scientists at MIT, and the atmospheric rivers can be several thousand kilometers long, a couple hundred kilometers wide, and they carry more water than the Amazon. Now, there's an entire scale which I did not know was a real thing, but the atmospheric rivers also have categories of one through five, one being the weakest, five being exceptionally and primarily hazardous. Folks, I can't make this stuff up. This is this is all just on Wikipedia. This is the leftist version of it. So apparently these have always happened forever, except it hasn't been in a while and people in California don't know what to do. Yes, many of you have seen more snow in a day than California will get water in the entire year. That's pretty standard. That's why... This is all silliness, but they have category one, two, three, and four. And right now we are seeing, I guess what they're calling cat four or extreme. It's mostly hazardous, but it's also beneficial. It's also beneficial because it's water and California is full of green things. And they always talk about how beautiful it is. The reason it's beautiful is because it gets rain. Usually it's just up in the mountains. Now it's down on the dry land or on the flatlands and they don't know what to do with it. For a couple of days, it will be wet. 
And so if you were in that area, just remember, as the guy in Encino said, be careful. And if you don't have to drive when there's water on the ground, don't do it. But if you're a regular American who's from anywhere else except Southern California, who has ever seen real weather anywhere, you know, like droplets that fall on your windshield and use those windshield wipers. They're not just for spraying the mist to clean the dirt off. They're actually supposed to be to keep the rain so you can drive in the rain. It'll be okay. It turns out your vehicle is made for that. And in fact, you can probably get all the way up to the mid hood of your car. As long as you're not wherever the intake is, you're going to be okay. You're not going to pull water in. Uh, and some of you probably in California are driving with fancy vehicles with snorkels that you had no idea what the snorkel is for. The snorkel is so you can drive through that really nasty water. How many off-road vehicles in California are experiencing their first wet road? Probably a ton. Probably a ton of SUVs are getting the most exciting 15 minutes or a couple days of driving that they've ever had. It's all very, very silly. I wanted to cover out something else. We're going to talk about the border in just one sec, and then we'll get ready to wrap up. Uh, before we do, let's say... For <laughs> It's chaotic out there, folks, so you better make sure, just in case you can't drive, you should have some food stashed away. Go to 4patriots.com slash Kyle. Again, 4patriots.com slash Kyle. That's the uh, promo code Kyle to get you squared away with some life-saving possibilities. If it is water on the road situation and you can't drive because you live in Southern California, you might want to stock up. Uh, emergency food, emergency power. Get yourself set up so that you have prepared Otherwise, you're going to have to repair, and that might mean, I don't know, eating your pets. You don't want to do that. You're in California. You can't handle that. Go to 4patriots.com slash Kyle. They're better than MREs. Regardless of what you think about MREs, these taste better. They taste like real food. All you got to do is boil up some water. So they've got water uh, purification. They've got gadgets and gizmos, but they have emergency food. You guys can buy a 72-hour for those people who get rained on in California for a couple of minutes. You can buy a three-month, a one-month, a 12-month. They have all the different options. Figure out what your risk level is and what you want to stash. They're good for 25 years. Their packaging is, is excellent. They're packed here in America. Check out 4patriots.com slash Kyle and get yourself set up so you don't have to just lose your mind when the water falls from the sky. It will fall from the sky eventually, everywhere, even if it takes 20 years. Oh, my God. California. It's one of those hard places to be from. Uh, it's beautiful, but stupid. All right, I want to talk about this border bill. Border bill came up. Covered on CBS in one way. Always useful to know what they have to say. And then also covered a different way in Breitbart. So let's see what's going on. This is what CBS says. CBS said senators release a border slash Ukraine deal. Because whenever I think, how do we secure the American border? I also wonder, how are we going to secure military funding for a country that is not in NATO and we have no treaty alliances to? That's what I'm mostly concerned about. Senators released the border Ukraine deal that would allow the president to pause the U.S. asylum laws and quickly deport migrants. Really? That's how you're going to sell it. So if you're from CBS and you're looking at it and you go, well, um, that seems like a pretty good deal. We might need to get rid of some. We've had a lot of people come here recently. That's not what's going on here, is it? We've got another article, and this one comes from Breitbart. So there you go. The Senate releases the establishment's migration bill, and that is a little bit more accurate, I think. The long-awaited border bill that uh, reportedly increases the inflow of legalized migrants to American communities, schools, and workplace. It's referred to as Emergency National Security Supplemental Appropriations Act. I actually have it sitting here, and you guys can take a look. This is the bill. And let me see if I can put it on the screen. This is the bill. That's what it looks like. And it is incredibly long. Of course, we've got, uh, you know, hundreds of pages. Why not? We can't read all of it. But luckily, we have Mike Howell. He works for Heritage, 
And Mike Howell was able to break it down in a way that we might be able to just just grab a couple little pieces of it that we want to see. So let's scroll through and read. This is a thread that's available on Twitter. Mike Howell's a good guy. Um, only 234,000 views of this. So that means it's not widely distributed yet at this moment. And I want you guys to get a taste of it. He says, this bill's insane. Does anyone think that asylum officers need a pay raise? There's a little provision in here under section 3104. Special pay rate assignment to asylum officers is going to break that up. It's going to increase the base pay rate. Fine. Second, humiliation of Border Patrol agents. It says that they have to do additional work in the use of non-lethal force and de-escalation policies and strategies. Identify, screen, and respond to vulnerable populations. Yeah. So you need extra training for sensitivity for the Border Patrol. So they can screen, identify... Children, persons with diminished mental capabilities, victims of human trafficking, pregnant mothers, victim of gender-based violence, torture and abuse, and the acutely ill. So we need to make sure that the uh, those in the Border Patrol are, are dealing with that in a nice and sensitive way. That's another piece of it. How about institution? Institutionalizing of catch and release through non-detention. So there's a little piece on here about the alternatives to detention program. An adult alien, including the head of a household who's been referred to proceedings under the section, may be supervised under the alternative to detention program. That's going to be the catch and release. Great. So they want to put that in there. They're going to make that part of the requirement to analyze and give out. Uh, he says a new word sal salad for asylum. Actually, I think this is actually a little bit nastier than that. What it says is that in clause five, by striking, quote, significant possibility, and they insert reasonable possibility. What are they talking about? They're talking about the credible fear standard and the asylum bar when they are doing the screening interviews. For those of you who don't know how this works, when you get uh, into the United States and you present yourself to Border Patrol, then they are all supposed to go through this screening where they ask you a series of questions. Something like 90% of people do not qualify for what's called credible fear. And we talked about this on the Double Trouble podcast when we had um, Aaron and Tara on. So you guys can go back and listen to that for sure. I've talked about it with Aaron also on his individual talk, who we let in. So there's a couple of older shows I would refer you back to. What it's worth noting is changing it from significant possibility to reasonable possibility, that is lowering the bar. Significant might be like 90% likely. Reasonable is usually like more than 50%. So if it's just like more possible than not that these people have a, a fear of some kind, the credible fear, we have now lowered the bar on that. And so what Mike Howell is saying, I think he actually, I think he actually is downplaying how bad that actual uh, language change is. And it is significantly bad. Another one. Locking in the uh, future administrations into these giveaways, it's codifying it in federal law for 2025, 26, 27, and 28, and 29, which is to say that if they sign this into law, that would basically make the next administration beholden to it, right? Going out almost to, to 2030, that seems like a problem for us. We should be concerned about locking something in for years beyond this administration because they are not making anything honest. And, and of course, this is bipartisan, which you guys heard about, which is because Mitch McConnell is behind this. Um, it's not even about a border bill is his, his statement. This is the expedited employment eligibility. What does it do? This is a path for amnesty. I'm just going to let that sit for a second. It says, in general, the Secretary of Homeland Security shall authorize employment for any alien who, and then it gives the, the, the qualities underneath it. But Section 235 Charlie is the employment eligibility section. So not only are they going to catch and release, they're going to authorize them to work in this country. And... While they do that, you must pay for the lawyers. It says counsel for certain unaccompanied children, uh, alien children, which is the UAC program. They are going to expand and make sure that they have access to counsel that we're all paying for. So, of course, you have to pay for their federal, their uh, attorneys to fight against the federal government. And it's a payday. 
for the illegal immigration NGOs. This is a fantastic thread, folks. If you haven't seen this, like I said, this is very, very lightly viewed. The payday comes out to FEMA, and FEMA is going to be given $933.33333 million. $933 million, just shy of a billion dollars that will be transferred immediately for FEMA use so they can do all of this work. And an additional $350 million, we are now north, we're like in the, uh, what, $1.3 billion range, $1.2 and change billion dollars will be given that they have discretion over. Uh, so they have the ability to detain 46,000 individuals, increase the number of enforcement, removal operations, and so on. And they want to be able to make sure they can give this money away. Bad stuff. Payday for illegal immigration NGOs, because this is all done through contractors. And that it explicitly calls for the release of illegal aliens, despite the fact that it's uh, framing, which is, like I said, they they talked about it being set up. You just heard CBS. It's going to allow them to, to deport people more quickly. It also allows them to release from custody aliens referred for proceedings under this section shall be released from physical custody and processed in accordance with the procedures described in the next section. And of course, the alternative to detention, which we talked about just a second ago, including head of household, another piece of that family unity for the greatest extent possible. They're going to try to keep families together. It also seems to enshrine the Flores settlement, which was a key of the folks that didn't want to uh, to have this border this border situation overrun. The Flores was a terrible court's decision that has been basically plighting the Border Patrol. It's bad. It says uh, it, it's, it's going to abrogate any precisions, uh, provisions rather of the stipulated settlement agreement in Reno versus Flores, which goes all the way back to the 90s, in which the district court uh, for the Central District of California in, in 1997 included in subsequent court decisions and so on. Um, this, this bill is terrible. So that's why Heritage Foundation is going out full bore against it. There's no other way to say it, but it's being framed one way and it's being framed as bipartisan. And in fact, you can just hear it's an awful lot of money involved. And there's an awful lot of bad policy involved. And it's essentially everything that the uh, that the pro, you know, illegal immigration, the the pro invasion crew has been asking for. And why is it bipartisan? Because you got people like Mitch McConnell in the Senate out there pushing it. You need to call your representatives if you don't like this. You need to let them know that you're holding them accountable. I saw some of the people in the chat were talking a little bit earlier about it. Let them know where you stand on this thing. It doesn't matter if they agree with you or not. Give them at least a voice. We've heard from some of our local reps. We heard from even uh, from some of our our uh, federal reps that like a couple hundred phone calls makes a huge difference. And there's more than a couple hundred people watching this right now. That doesn't mean there's a couple hundred in each district, but if you're on a, on somebody who's squishy, if you got one of those rhino types or you got one of those people that I would say is the actual Republican Party, the folks that are just willing to roll over on everything simply because it's it's uh, compliance based because they want to give money to to uh, Ukraine. Make that call. These things need to be broken out. I don't care what your position is on Ukraine. I don't want to give money away from this country, but if you think that it needs to be done, break it into a separate deal. There's nothing about the United States border that has anything to do with what's going on in Ukraine. Not even a little bit. It's awful. It's really, really awful stuff. And they just keep doing it. They keep spending our money in this way. So uh, if you're not making phone calls, then you're just allowing whatever it is they decide to come up with. And that'll be the answer that they decide to do it. Uh, we talked a little bit about black history. Before we do, I've got a, I got a little video, which you guys have all probably seen before. But I want to thank my friends over at Patriot Coolers before we get there. This is the uh, 
This is the 19 ounce coffee mug. This is what's fueling the speed today. We've got the uh, the picture from the Seraphim family minivan up on the side. That is what I use to carry groceries in. That is the 50 quart in tan. Use promo code Kyle. Go to PatriotCoolers.com. Promo code Kyle. If you guys are in the market for a new cooler, if you're in the market for a new cup, we're coming into the nice season, except in California where it's terrifying and rainy. A lot of people are getting into sort of uh, the soon to be spring. So you're going to be rolling out and experiencing a little bit of nature. Hopefully it's not raining on you, God forbid. Uh, and you might want a new cooler. You might want to be able to take hot or cold beverages with you when you go to work. And I recommend PatriotCoolers.com. Been using them since 2017. Great product, good company, good people out of Texas, America. They support veterans. They support you and what you're about. Again, PatriotCoolers.com. The promo code is Kyle. K-Y-L-E saves you 10%. You'll get free shipping on any of the big items, which is more than 50%. Actually, I got this guy sitting right underneath here. Look, this is my lunchbox, guys. It's light. It's easy. It's, it's super capable of keeping ice. You can fit exactly 17 bottles of beer in there or 24 cans of soda or beer, whatever you're into. Um, great, great soft-sided cooler. It's got little tie-downs on there for kayaks and stuff. Check them out. Again, patriotcoolers.com, promo code Kyle. Let's, uh, let's do this. This is one of those fun videos that's been circulating. Every Black History Month, I feel like I see this. It's still relevant. This goes all the way back to Mike Wallace being on TV, talking to Morgan Freeman. This is the right take, I think about uh, the extended January, also known as February and Black History Month. Black History Month you find ridiculous. Why? You're going to relegate my history to a month? Oh, come well, on. What do you do with yours? What, which month is White History Month? <laughs> no, well, no, no, come on, tell me. Well, I'm Jewish. Okay, which I'm month is Jewish History Month? Uh, there isn't one. Oh. Oh, why not? Yeah. Do you want one? No, no. No, I, 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 I don't either. I don't want a Black History Month. Black history is American history. How are we going to get rid of racism? Until... Stop talking about it. I'm going to stop calling you a white man. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you to stop calling me a black man. I know you as Mike Wallace. You know me as Morgan Freeman. You understand what I... I know this white guy named Mike Wallace. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. <laughs> How uncomfortable is Mike Wallace with that idea? Yeah, it's really hard to break away from the mainstream. You know what? That's what happens when you live in places where they've never seen rain. If you live in nice places. Morgan Freeman's the best, no doubt about it. Denzel's great. Two, two great guys that have been pushing back about, hey, why don't you just evaluate people based on the body of work? You know, that whole like concept that Martin Luther King Jr. talked about, the content of their character, maybe the fruit of their labors. Maybe we could just do that. I know Morgan Freeman as a movie star who also narrates incredible films. Funnily enough, my kids are watching this thing. It's I think it's on Netflix. We have access to Netflix for a couple of days for some reason. And uh, they've got this, this documentary on like the evolution of planet Earth. And it's got these really great photos and videos and some of it's uh, CGI, it looks like, of uh, animals and stuff like that as they evolved. And one of the things that you don't hear the climate change people crying about is the Ice Age. And those of you who are old enough to remember, we were on the edge we were on the edge of an ice age for a while. Now it's climate change. Then it was global warming, right? There was a hole in the ozone layer. Everything was going to kill us. All that stuff. There's water coming from the sky. California has now turned their uh, their their roadways into rivers. It's craziness. But uh, there was an ice age. And it went for 200,000 years, apparently, based on these climate scientists' estimations. 200,000 years of basically everything freezing to death and dying. And the only thing coming out of it were like, you know, 
some very, very capable and very, very equator-based uh, critters. Killed off almost every single thing in the title shelf. It's so silly. It's so fun. Um, just, you know, whenever somebody's telling you to be paranoid, you wonder, like, what are they trying to sell you? What is it that they're selling you? And mostly, it's just foolishness what it's talking about this stuff. All right, I got dad jokes, 100%. I'm not going to leave you guys hanging for dad jokes. I have left you hanging for a couple days on the dad jokes. So we're going to do this in honor of Black History Month. This is a father and his son. And this is that moment when your son executes his first dad joke and you're mixed with both horror, shame, and pride at the same time. So let's just take a little look at this guy. Dad. Hmm? Sunday was a sad day. But the day before that was a Saturday. <laughs> if you can't, if you're not watching on the Rumble channel, what you missed is as the music picked up, uh, the dad's eyes got very, very big. And he was looking, and again, it's that mixture of horror, pride, and shame at the same time. A good dad joke goes a long ways. we got a couple of them today. Those are short and they're easy. This one comes from our friends over the pond. It's a little bit less, um, it's a little bit less appropriate maybe for work. Uh, maybe it's just not appropriate for kids. So it's probably there's no swear words or anything in it, but they're talking about a sexual encounter, which they look very young. I guess they're old enough to be doing that sort of thing. I can't tell. People who shave their face, I have no idea how old you are. Uh, little dad joke from the Brits. Let's just share this one too. Girlfriend dressed up as a policewoman and told me I was under arrest on suspicion of being good in bed. After two, <laughs> after two minutes, all charges were dropped due to lack of evidence. <laughs> Girlfriend dressed up I, as a I don't know what's better. I don't know if it's better that the joke is kind of funny, it's kind of clever, but uh, more importantly, the laughing and how much that set off these guys is actually slightly better. So... Obviously too young to be dads. That's why they can't sell it, but they did laugh in a good way. So we don't hate them for that. All right, I got one more cheese. Uh, before we do that, I'll lead you with, I'll, I'll end with the uh, the cheese one. Let's do a, a quick thanks to uh, our merch store. So if you guys haven't gone to the-suspendables.com, again, it's the-suspendables.com. Promo code is Kyle, saves you 10%. That's going to keep G.O.B. moving, even though he's sick. Yep, he's sick. He's not feeling great, uh, but we got to get him back in the sweatshop. That's how you you work through it. You work through the problem. You don't give up and let the fever win or whatever he's got. Um, you can go over there. That's my favorite shirt right there. That's the last line substack emblem. That is the AR-15 with the plume coming out of it or the uh, the quill coming out of the end of it. Again, it is uh, the last line. And on the back of it, it says it says hold the line. It's got his uh, his emblem for his substack. It's the-suspendables.com, the website. Don't forget the dash, the dash suspendables with an S on the end of it.com. And then the promo code is Kyle. You guys can also still find all the other stuff on there. There's patches. There's the pins, the pins we love. I'm wearing the hoodie today. There's probably a few more of these left before they're gone. The, uh, the green arrow looking hoodie. Uh, most of you are starting to come out of the, out of the cold of the winter. You're starting to come into the spring. This is a great spring hoodie. Anyway, check out that. Keep it going. The-suspendables.com. Promo code Kyle. Support the O'Boyle family sweatshop. And let's do a five-star review. And this one actually is not a five-star review that you guys are used to. I threw it up from True Social because, well, because he said he didn't have the ability to do a five-star review anywhere else. He says, Kyle, I just wanted to say that your show is tremendous. I give it an A-plus rating. I'll translate that into five stars. Uh, I download it on the slightly better than garbage Samsung podcast app because I'm in my vehicle 30 to 40 hours a week in areas with bad cell phone service. And that app has no way that I know of to rate the show. So here it is. Thanks for being a true patriot 
and an American hero for doing what was right, exposing FBI corruption and doing so in a very entertaining way. Well, that's from uh, Joey Dinge or Do- Joey Ding A. I have no idea, but thanks so much for following on on uh, True Social. And sometimes we'll have a little bit of alternative. We've broken the 900 total reviews on Apple, so I'm kind of uh, kind of playing a little bit and going out and grabbing some of these other sources. I don't want you guys to think that we don't know you're out there, and I do appreciate it when you send a nice message like that. 100% willing to uh, to share it with the audience. So I hope that hope that you guys are are following again. Subscribe. You can do it on rumble.com slash Kyle Seraphin. I don't know if we plugged that. We had a, a pretty good show for a Monday as far as even with the technical glitches. We had a huge number come out. So thanks so much for all of you guys joining. And then let's do one last dad joke. You guys mind if I do one more? I got this one queued up. This one is terrible, but it's the classic dad joke by a guy who looks like he's actually a dad. And, um, you know, he didn't oversell it. This is something you can tell your kids. And here's our dad joke of the day. What do you call a criminal going down the stairs? Condescending. <laughs> oh, that's so dumb. <laughs> you guys have a great day. Content creator there. Uh, guys, we do appreciate stealing some of these jokes. Seems like a nice dude uh, and a sort of a charming thing. He describes himself as a comedian. You guys be the judge of that. We will see you again tomorrow for the Kyle Serafin Show. Sometime this week, we're going to have a long discussion with George Hill. He's going to pop in here, and we're going to discuss some of the uh, insanity of seeing Chris Ray at a change of command for uh, the Intel service, which we've never seen anything like that before. He told me, and I will uh, quote him. I hope he won't mind, but he told me yesterday that it was like having someone shove an ice cube up his backside And uh, I said, it kind of depends on who's shoving the ice cube, but not the good kind, whatever that would look like. And uh, there it is, y'all. We'll see you again tomorrow. God bless. Be safe. Watch out for that sky. Don't let any water fall out of it. And we'll see you in the morning tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live weekdays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social, and Instagram at Kyle Serafin.